Hi, I'm Shreen Fatek, and you're listening to the Modern Retail Podcast, where I speak with the people leading the reinvention of retail. I'm so excited to welcome my guest today. Leah Wu is the founder and CEO of Shop Shops, a fantastic and very interesting new company that has been dubbed the QVC for the social media generation. I'm not sure if that holds. On Shop Shops, viewers tune in at seemingly all hours of the day, watching hosts do everything from trying jewelry and clothes to walking around stores, an interactive shopping experience that honestly has blown my mind. Leah, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. We're so excited to have you. Let's start right at the beginning. Probably the easiest place to do it. (laughs) What is Shop Shops? How do you describe it? Um, I think I've tried many different ways to describe who we are, and we change how we describe ourselves. I don't know if you've watched the Japanese cartoon before. Um, It's like a purple, bluish hat. cat that has magic pockets and when he pulls out um, different tools for his uh, friend then they can transform the world and there's a wrapping door as we call it or he calls it and he pulls out and then it's a door you can imagining it where you want to be and when you open the door you can be in that place at that exact time. And I think that's what we're trying to build for people who love to shop. So with the phone. Sounds magical. I think so too. (laughs) I mean, at least that's what our vision (laughs) would, I mean, that's what we imagine shopping should be. We can be in the bathtub. We can be in anywhere we want and open up your phone. And with a click of a button, you can be any street, anywhere, opening the doors of stores that are interesting, um, experience that are different. So that's our goal as Shop Shops. So let's get let's get detailed. Yes. Let's go back to sort of, you know, when you kind of started Shop Shops and sort of, you know, you obviously have kind of a background in retail and fashion. What were you noticing in the market that made you say, okay, there's something changing. The way consumers are shopping changing, the way Chinese consumers are shopping is changing. What were all the things going on and what was the state of mind you were in that made you think, okay, I could do something with this. I can actually create something truly different. I think there's several factors. I come from an offline retail experience. I used to run, own, design my own labels in China. And with that, it was very frustrating of getting... Um, shoppers or interesting people that around the world, like outside of China or outside of where we're close um, in terms of distance. Like for me, looking at it, the people who can come to my store is only within 10 kilometers or 15, 50 kilometers. Sure. And then everything else is oh, ha- trying to sell it online with images. Um, but I personally love to shop so much. I often draw maps for my friends when they go traveling. And so f- with that combination, I always felt that there's definitely a need for people who are traveling outside or outside of China at the time. They want to see things that are different. They want to discover new stuff. It's not just about outlet. It's not just about it's cheap. It's mm. about it's interesting. Hmm. And on um, my on the other side is that as a designer, as a, a, a small business owner, I want to share my creation to people outside. With But then the restriction was a different language, a different social media platform, different way of reaching customers. And so initially, Shop Shop was started as a shopping directory. Hmm. That's how we began, where without knowing what 
app is. I started to design the app um, and trying to figure out what model we can build from that. And so initially, it was actually just for discovery of a, a shopping location while so you're you would traveling. Go, you would open up this app and you would get, say you're looking for a hat. You would well, you actually, from what we designed is basically you were, you're not looking for items specifically. Ah, okay. You're actually for a city. Okay, you're so you type for, in... You're typing New York. Okay, so you type you, in New York and you get a curated list? A, a curated list okay. uh, by location. Got so it. it would be Soho or Chelsea. So for a lot of the areas that aren't very familiar with mm. travelers that right. they probably heard Because this is of. not for locals, this is yes. for people visiting. Yes. Okay, so how did you go from... Which is a good idea, by the way. <laughs> so, but... It, Feels like it's gotten a lot more complicated yes, with the current because business. Once we got into the whole process, uh, we joined the um, XRC lab, which is like an incubator for fashion technology. Um, and then in there, um, I was like going through my business model. There's no way we can monetize from it. So it's not going to work. So we have to figure out how to monetize from that idea mm-hmm. and shorten that experience um, of, I think, the, the time from someone actually planning the trip, go on to the trip, reach New York, use the app, and then returning back home. It's like that's already a very small percentage of the population that's going to be affected by this tool. Right. So uh, live stream was something very popular in China at the time. And uh, a good friend of mine uh, was like, okay, sh- you should try, just try a live stream. I was like, what are you talking about? It is so not, like, I mean, at the time it was more of a people in China eating a ball of rice in front of the screen. And then there's a million people watch that. And I was like, okay, why would someone <laughs> want to watch while, while live through, through this? Um, why would somebody want to watch somebody else shop? Essentially. Yeah, yeah okay. essentially. So, but then she's like, why not give you a try? And I was like, okay, what's what's the downside of it? So we went into the store of um, OTT, O-T-T-E, uh, which is already a partner store on our discovery map. Um, for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, we didn't have any technology available, so we opened the store on Taobao. That's where we first began. And for the, for the, for the, the, into the event for about five minutes, and I was like, oh, my God. This is what I have been talking about, about experiential shopping, how to bring the offline shopping experience authentically back online to people that who didn't travel or who want to be at that destination couldn't make it there. And so from that moment onwards, it was uh, working our entire model around what we tried to deliver. So there's so much in there. So let's start, <laughs> let's start breaking that down. Number one, um, how do you make money? Uh, right now, we work with offline retailers or brands, okay. and uh, everything is based on commission. Okay. So it's a com- commission-based model. We service our uh, vendors uh, where we will uh, send in hosts. We uh, allow the host to curate a product themselves. Hmm. We don't control that production uh, because I think that's where we believe the authenticity comes out. So they go into a store. Century 21, sure. let's say, which okay. is very close by. Yes. So they walk into Century 21 and you say, okay, you have 
How long does it go for? What do they do? They can do whatever they like. Yes, they can. Still, well, obviously, can't strip naked. Um, <laughs> you have a few guidelines. <laughs> yes, we do, uh, or restrictions. Uh, so basically, they they are re- uh, required to go in uh, previously or the day before to do what we call walkthrough. And after that walkthrough, basically, the host will have a pre-selected. Uh, curated product on her by herself, so she can focus on whatever category she feels comfortable with. And the next day, she will have about three or four hours uh, to be live. Okay, that's a long time. Well, yes. So or two, <laughs> or two hours. So, how did you go from because you, you went in the first time you tried this with your friend? You went in, you did something for five minutes. What was it that you saw that made you think? Okay, this is a thing. What did a lot of people come on? Did people start buying things? What did people do that you said this is a real business? This isn't an idea anymore. We actually live for about an hour and a half okay. in the first event, and uh, it was me at the back end, my partner at the front end. Uh, I mean, being the host. I think the first event we only had a total of about twenty viewers, mm. and eighty percent of those people were our friends. And they watched us. Good for, friends. I know. <laughs> they watched us, and with that conversation, and a lot of the friends, well, our friends, which means they didn't really know each other before, and somehow there's connections that was built even within that hour. And so they were talking, picking, fighting about uh, the clothes that's been featured so or the item that was being featured. So basically there were people pointing to the background saying, oh, I want to see that bag or I want to see that shoe or can you try it on for me? So a lot of those requests was very direct and it was very interactive. Um, and then so we started to learn how to present in front of the camera of what details you need to show uh, efficiently by the host so that there's enough information uh, delivered with a time frame. And therefore, yeah, I think that's how I know or we felt like that's the future of how people will shop. I mean, we were very excited watching it. And um, I think the viewers who watched it were very excited. We had we sold $3,000 of merchandise to a complete stranger. So the person who actually made the first order was not that 80% of our friends. Okay. Yes. So they saw something. They, they essentially lived it. They got to see if this person could try it on, put the bag on, put the shoe on, whatever it is. Yeah. And said, oh, I want this thing and I'm going to buy it. You mentioned earlier that live streaming at the time was very popular in China. Yep. And I think that, you know, in some ways, I think that we're seeing some some similar forces in the U.S. You're seeing kind of the rise of Twitch. You're seeing kind of there is this sense of lived experience through video. Let's watch other people do something interesting Mm -hmm. and important. In this case, it's shopping. Were there other sort of forces or was there anything else changing in the market in China that lent itself to this? Because you've got, I mean, look, you've got Chinese consumers all over the world. They travel more than any other yes. than any other group of people to countries to, in many cases, just to shop. You've, you see this happening and you see stores responding to this in places like Paris. You see stores responding to this in places like New York by, you know, hiring people in store who can help talk to them, who by creating even shopping journeys and trips. And you're here sort of 
almost talking to the other people. You're here talking to people who maybe can't fly to Paris or New York yep. to do this. What else was going on in China? Because there was there is this sort of sense of, okay, they'll go for the big brand names. They'll go for Louis Vuitton. They'll go for Fendi. Is the younger generation different? Yep. Are they looking at something different now? Yes. I mean, I definitely see the trend is changing. Um, I was probably the first group of what called Chinese designer brands uh, in the early 2009, 2010. So you're seeing era. homegrown brands. Yes. So I've started with seeing homegrown, homegrown brands. I'm also seeing a lot of those brands becoming uh, very, uh, like they, they changed their model from offline retail to more of a D2C uh, brands as well. Um, so I think that's where I see that Chinese younger generations are no longer so focused on big names. The prestige. The kind prestige. Of I mean not saying they're not buying the prestige. Obviously right. they're still need a Gucci, need a LV. Sure. Uh, I mean who doesn't? Um, I think at that age where China uh, started with a generation who were less um, educated, mm. moving towards more education, uh, less purchasing power to much higher purchasing power. And, and then you can see that trend really change. I often compared baby boomers of the U.S. many years ago to the current Chinese 80s and 90s borns. Um, and then it's very condensed into that 10, 20 years of uh, population who are directly exposed to the Western world through social media, through internet, um, a lot of product information so they no longer look for uniforms. They're actually looking for individuality. Hmm. And they seek for that individuality. So they want things that are same with big logos. But at the same time, they want that one different thing, make them look different. So, And is that where sort of you seek to fill the market? Yes. It's that one different discovery. thing? Discovery. In that discovery base. So when you're talking to, you go to retailers in New York, how do you start? How do you explain? Because for a lot of these brands too, they're about to start selling to a new type of consumer. They're probably used to selling only to certain people that live probably to your point within 15 miles of the store already. Yep. What's your pitch? Well, it was very hard in the beginning. Um, I walked almost every possible stores in Soho, Chelsea, Upper East Side. Um, and as well as LA. Like, I can actually draw a map for you and tell you <laughs> two years ago what store was there and what store is no longer there. That's useful. Um, I think the pitch in the very beginning was letting them understand what live stream meant. And there's really minimum um, disruption for them. Uh, so what their main concern is, uh, will that affect their customer? Uh, how complicated it is for them to process? Uh, what is the payment method? Mm. Uh, what is the returns uh, policy? So basically, uh, with that many walks or talking to the vendors or store owners, I understood what their needs are. So I think that's how we positioned ourselves. We provide services. So we cover uh, where the host is scheduled to go in during mostly uh, non uh, working hours, I mean, non-shopping uh, hours, try to limit uh, the disruptions. Right. And second, we also train our hosts so that they clean up, uh, they prepare before and clean up after. And third, we do have a, a process where we will send the order to them in bulk 
So everything is shipped to us in bulk. We help to facilitate that last mile, where they don't have to worry about it's a Chinese address, it's a, a language that they can read to make sure it's correct, and a, a lot of it's that. Yes. So it's it's it feels like most of the challenges are logistical, like or most of the questions you're getting are yes. How does this actually work? Yes. How does it actually work? What I mean, look, none of this could have happened if sort of the platforms that we, you talked about, about earlier, but the platforms have a large role to play in this. The platforms are essentially making that that connection between you, your customer, and your retailer possible. Talk to me a little bit about that, because I think that a lot of these things, again, are different with a Chinese consumer because the platforms themselves are so different. They're mm-hmm. so all-encompassing. Mm-hmm. A platform like that. Almost, we're getting to the point now that shoppable commerce or uh, social commerce is now starting to kind of become a reality here in the U.S. But China's been miles ahead yes. on that whole thing. Walk me through how that works and how that's actually changed or essentially enabled your business. Yes, I mean we are still very much uh, established inside Taobao uh, while we are building our own platform. Um, so in Taobao, I think it's just like any other. Uh, it's like Amazon if you compare it to Amazon. A lot of people would ask me the question, is Taobao better or Amazon better? And I said, oh, my God, I cannot answer that. Um, but I think it's similar to what a U.S. would compare it to. It's like Amazon. If you're a brand, if you're a startup, you will want to find a distribution channel that can help you get your customers, get your awareness quickly. And that's how we will view Taobao is. Um, so we are established there. We have our fan base uh, starting from there. And right now we're also established establishing into other social media channels. So building through uh, ByteDance, Xiaohongshu, uh, uh, the little red book. So those are the outreach channel for us with our content and our product. Um, but on Shop Shops, I think we want to facilitate the overall shopping experience mm-hmm. itself. And we are learning how to use live and live videos, video replays, video clips that are all based on product content authentically created by our host in an authentic location um, to be watchable and rewatchable and provide information to people who want to discover. Makes sense. We're going to take a quick ad break and then come right back. Okay, so we're talking all about shop shops. We just talked about Taobao. Let's go back because you did say sort of, you know, you are looking to build something on your own. Why? We're building. Why why do you want to do that? Why not continue to rely on the platforms to bring the bring the audience and you do the work of the rest of the work? What's the um, benefit to owning that audience in your business? Um okay. Why? I think we are first of all, we don't really fit in Taobao's uh model. It's purely driven by brands and ads focused. Um, it doesn't allow people to really discover um, the authenticity, the authentic content that's available. I think second is I have always imagined it's a global shopping experience where it's not just tailored for Chinese market. Um, it is. 24 hour on, Mm -hmm. it can be in different languages. I believe for anyone, even in U.S. or in China or anywhere else, would love to place her or himself somewhere else 
to discover and find things that are interesting. Mm. So this isn't something that's just no, for the Chinese consumer. Not just for the Chinese consumer. So and uh, we're aiming for about second end of second quarter mm. to probably coming up potentially a, a different language. Uh, Prototype, okay. uh, probably English. <laughs> I was going to say, is it English? <laughs> um, I think that's why we have been such as. I mean, even at our level, it's such a small startup. We've spread into many cities. Uh, we're right now running about thirty different cities with live content, mm-hmm. uh, shopping focused. Uh, we're in six cities in Japan, uh, in Seoul. Uh, and we are live in uh, Bangkok, Macau. So a lot of these locations is where our, we are testing for the offline retailers' experience, and then as well as looking for uh, a way to refer, reverse that experience to a different market. What surprised you in this whole journey? What was the one thing that you didn't expect about this when you started? You know that first ever. Walk through you did of a store and live streamed it to today. What's been the most surprising part of the growth? Um, I don't think it's part of the growth that surprised me because there's up and downs and there's uh, sleepless nights and there's happy hours. Um, I think what surprised me was always the behaviors that happened during live, that interactions between the host um, and the audiences, and then the audience themselves has been most intriguing to me. I can give you one example. We sold earrings multiple times to two complete strangers because one wanted one, the other one wanted the other side. Mm-hmm. Well, live because it's too big or because it's too small or because it's too expensive. I wish I can split it with someone else. And then that someone else is just in that live stream room. And so they would split that order right there. And then. So, I mean, that is something out of all those years of offline retailing experience I've never seen. You will never walk to a stranger and say, hey, do you want to split an earring with me? And that's something (laughs) I think... I don't think I would ever split an earring, but yeah, I hear you. No, but I hear what you're saying, and I think it's just, I think the big takeaway I'm getting from it, I mean, there's a few, but I think we've been talking, you know, on this podcast and this industry about, over the last two or three years about, you know, it's brick-and-mortar retail, kind of the death of brick-and-mortar retail, then the renaissance of brick-and-mortar retail. And, you know, and most of the people we've had on this podcast are tend to be, for example, founders of younger direct-to-consumer brands who are now recognizing that they have to have physical retail. Yes. They're recognizing, and some of it's economic. Mm-hmm. They realize they can't do a $100 million business in some cases by going online only. Some of them have realized that they need to bring back, I think, this one is relevant to you, sort of a human connection. Yes. They can't just exist online, even though they're really good at that. Mm-hmm. And and then at the same time, you're seeing, at least in the U.S. here and in the Northeast, the resurgence of the shopping experience. You're seeing stores that now offer yoga classes while you shop for a sports bra. You're seeing American Dream, which is, <laughs> I'm not quite sure what it is, but it's a, it's, <laughs> it's a skating rink, meets a mall, meets everything. You're seeing kind of the rise of Hudson Yards, you know, in our own neighborhood. I think something what you're building really sits right in the middle of those things. Yes. It's sitting, it's bringing e-commerce, but it's also bringing travel, but it's also bringing, hey, look, there's a use for retail. Yeah. And here's the use. Yes. Is that what you get from when you, you know, you're going to these stores and you're talking to people and you're pitching your business and you're saying, hey, you work with us on this. 
do you hear a lot of, oh, this could be the way I bring my physical retail business sort of into the 21st century? Uh, yes. I think a lot of the feedback is that they w- they can imagine having both online and offline experience shared. And it literally saying allowing that store 24 hour not close. Um, I think that's where what we are offering. Um, and, and I, from a, a retail background, I truly believe that effort, that knowledge, that profession of building a store and that experience is very valuable. And online, if it's by a key of a search word or price comparison, is not able to replace that human connection. It's the music, it's the sound, it's that light, it's that click or is a conversation between you and that salesperson make you make that purchase or made a person go back to the store. So I still very strongly believe those um, professionally curated product and experiences are very important. It's just how do you deliver that experience to traffic online. Might not be able to walk directly into the store, but be able to see it, view it, smell it, listen to it. Um, Smell it? Well, we sell perfumes on live stream, and it really depends on how the host can present and put an imagination of that perfume, of how she described it. Give me an example. I mean, I'm not good at perfume, but we do have a, a host that's very good at selling perfume and, and work with a lot of perfume. how it smells. Yes. I mean, perfume is very personal, right? So basically, it is how professional you are about describing the, 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 the scent itself. And basically, if you can portray it to a poetry, and it's a memory that's been built between the host and the perfume and the people who are purchasing it. So when you're receiving it, it probably will smell like what you heard. It, it does remind me, though. I mean, the way you're talking about this, it does remind me of sort of, you know, the, the TV shopping, QVC life and it, it, at its best. When yeah. it was at its best and when it is at its best, it, the way it describes a pair of earrings sometimes for hours on end <laughs> and you, you sit there thinking, how can this person talk about these pair of earrings for hours? But you feel like you're sort of there. How do you pick your hosts? Um, they are currently we select our hosts uh, who have uh, professional backgrounds. So they are fashion. They have fashion background. They have sales background, and all uh, social influencer background. So uh, a lot of the hosts we work with, they are. Probably not major influencers. They're more uh, micro, nano influencers. And of course, speak the language. They speak the language and they love shopping. (laughs) They truly love it. They truly love it because you have to speak in front of a camera for four hours. And that is can be exhausting. It's like a salespeople on the sales floor for four hours with nonstop traffic and people asking you 10 millions of questions at once. It's very similar to that. I am curious about why you haven't brought this to Facebook or to Instagram. It seems very natural. It yes. seems like it's it would be an easy win. Why not? You're already making the thing. Make it here too. I guess the one friction is the direct shoppability is not quite there. Yeah. Um, but do you think this can take off in with U.S. customers? Yes. 
And that's why we are building towards the English-speaking market. But do it on your own and not do it necessarily on platforms? Um, we definitely will use uh, other platforms like TikTok, Instagram. Right now, it's, I guess we haven't really expanded or focused on that market uh, because we've been very focused on Chinese market. And therefore, there... It's a big enough market to focus on, so <clears throat> yes. it's not a concern. <laughs> not really that. It's because I think when you have such a small team to start with. Uh, we are constrained with uh, the resources that we can pull and also the talent uh, for people who live in China. They might not be able to run social media well. And uh, so for our social media in the U.S., currently we are transforming them. Sounds amazing. Well, good luck, and I'm excited to see what you do next. Thank you so much. And that's all for today's episode of the Modern Retail Podcast, a show by Digiday. Thank you for listening. Our producer, of course, Pierre Bienname, who also made our theme music. If you like the show, here's what you need to do. Head to your iTunes store, search for a show, the Modern Retail Podcast, and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. We'll be back next week.